heart is full, and it was a great day when I met Joe Vasick, and he's been such, it's an understatement, he's been such a friend, his precious family, we I got a lot of emotions, and uh, trying to think of things that throw me off, and don't do this, don't cry, and and, uh, and I have my times, most definitely, but I, I want to express my my thanks to you as a church. I've heard several people today in meeting them and shaking their hands. They said, we prayed for you. And uh, the, the truth of the matter is, we're just like you. We're just like anybody else. And uh, we struggle. And uh, thanks to the prayers of God's people, God has kept us going. And it's his grace, most definitely. Thank you. We owe you a great debt. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for your love. And thank you for uh, your, your compassion. Uh, Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. I was trying to think of things that throw me off, so I was looking at Brother Danny in front of me. He has no gray hair. And, uh, you know, you ever look at somebody and think, what are they thinking of? You're just often in the middle of nowhere, their minds are. So that was my focus. He has no gray hair. And uh, there are other things probably to follow, but, but um, I'm filled today with a lot of love, so I won't go there. Uh, but he has not, no gray hair, my soul. And I remember Joe telling me, you have no gray hair. That was a, a while back, but I know I do. And uh, I choose to keep it short because the longer it seems to grow, you can really see it. So uh, I'd rather have it short. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 2. And I'll do my best to get you out of here in good time. Thank you, church. Boy, what a, this is a happening place. I love the singing. I sure love that. Man, that is great. Fired up and uh, ready to go. And, and the singing, the choir, the special, just very precious people. Sure appreciate you and uh, your pastor. Wow. Spirit-filled man. Okay, Nehemiah chapter 2, and could we stand just one last time? We're just going to read about four verses. Nehemiah chapter 2, and uh, verse 17, the Bible says, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, very familiar words, you've all heard them, most of, you, most of us. Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for, uh, they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Samballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem, the Arabian, heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that ye do? Why will ye rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we are his servants, or we his servants, will rise and build. And, uh, but we have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Dr. Hiles, many years ago, said this. And I remember hearing it similar to what your pastor said this morning about trials in the Christian life. He, you know, never voiced my opinion, but in my mind, in my own little 
juvenile mind, I thought when Brother Howes would say this, that's not what I want to hear. That's not very encouraging. And he would say these words, one of these days, a trial is going to come into your life. Right now you're young, maybe you have your health and and you're, you're newly married and you have everything ahead of you. But one of these days a trial will come in your life and you're going to need this truth. Right now you may not see anything in sight. One of these days you're going to need this truth, and when it happens or when that truth or um, when that difficult time comes, you're going to need to take this truth and, and pull it out so that you can be able to survive and you can be able to make it. And to be honest, this morning, maybe everything is going good right now. Maybe the bank account is full. Maybe your health, you just got back from the doctor and you found out everything is fine. Maybe everything is all set and things are good. You may not need this right now. But if you'll take this truth and, like preacher would say, tuck it away, one of these days, when that time comes, you'll need to pull that out. You'll need to be able to use that. Maybe you're in a situation today. I heard one person say uh, that either you're in a storm, you're about to go into a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. We're all in one of those three categories. And I want to help you today. I sure want to be a blessing to God's people. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for what we've heard today, and thank you for your presence. Uh, We have felt it, and thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for uh, God's people who are here today, such uh, a joy and a spirit in this place. I pray that you bless it and take care of your church and take care of the man of God here and his precious family, Lord. Meet their needs. Lord, do a work among us and help us to stay focused. Help me to listen to you, Holy Spirit, to say exactly what you'd want me to say. And ask these things in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Why do we face trials? I heard one author write this. If there is one truth that we must understand about storms, that it is the presence of a storm does not signify the absence of God. Have you ever thought about that? Every time we hit a storm, we think, well, where is God? Well, it doesn't signify the absence of God. The storm does not mean that God loves you any less. It means that he is doing a work in your life. That is greater than your most prized experience, and that is of comfort. Notice these words, Jesus allowed the storm, but don't forget that he was still in the boat with the disciples. And I want to look at these passages in Nehemiah. There are three thoughts we can learn from Nehemiah's life, Nehemiah's actions, that we can see when we're faced with difficulties. In Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 4, look there quickly, we find that it came to pass When I heard these words, of course, the walls of Jerusalem had been torn down. Nehemiah said that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. The first step that I believe Nehemiah took when he faced this trial was, as the scripture said in verse 4, he sat down and he wept. You know, I think too often in our ranks, maybe we misread some things and we thought, well, I just have to be tough and no one can see my weakness. But the honest truth is everybody needs a time. Everybody needs a time to pray, but everybody needs a time to weep. I thought about a lady who I buried her husband and then her daughter and then one of her uh, relatives, close friends, and did three funerals for this family in particular. And I'd call her and I'd check up on her. Uh, there when we were in Arizona, and she would say to me, she oh, elderly lady, probably about 88 or so, she said, Jesse, I have my time. Every day I probably have my time. And she said, I got to get up, and then I got to do what I need to do. But I noted those words that she shared with me, I, I have my time. I have my time to weep. 
And I don't know about you, and I don't know where you're at, and maybe, again, things are going well, and everything is fine, but there may be somebody in here who's going through a difficult time. And oftentimes we look at it and say, well, I just got to be tough. And and we do. We have to be good soldiers. And we have to endure hardness, as the scripture says. But there must be a time. You know, I had a lady uh, when I had preached this message at church who slipped my wife a note and a longtime staff lady. And she said to my wife that I'm so grateful and thankful that it's okay to cry now. It's okay to let this feeling out. And I think that everybody needs that time. What are you facing today? Maybe someone has broken your heart. Maybe a child. Maybe there's been a loss of a loved one. Uh, Could it have been a financial loss that you're experiencing right now? You know, there are personal mistakes that we've all made in our life. And boy, those things can really bring us down if we're not careful. Uh, Maybe you've received bad news in recent days. Maybe there's someone in here today, a mate has left you. Or someone in this life has disappointed you. Maybe you got some news from the doctor in recent days or weeks or months where your health is is in jeopardy. Maybe you're living today and you have some dreams that have been shattered or you're facing doubt about tomorrow. Whatever you're facing today, it is very real. And everyone in this auditorium has shed many tears over the heartaches and heartbreaks of life. I like what one songwriter said, tears are language, a beautiful song that God understands. He sees your tears and he hears your cry. I want to encourage you today, take the time to pour out your heart. Take the time, like David said in Psalm 3, verses 3 to 5. He says, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. And notice these words. He said, I cried into the Lord with my voice. When's the last time we cried into the Lord? Used to, uh, uh, in our church, there was a precious lady, but oftentimes I had to encourage her, you know, uh, here's my problem, and here's my problem, and here's my problem, and, and trying to get it out to everybody possible. And maybe it was an attempt to please all of you pray for me, but many times I had to encourage her, take it to the Lord in prayer. We, I want to hear it. I want to know what's going on. But there's someone far greater than me who can uh, help you and who can encourage you and uh, who can answer your prayer. And when's the last time we cried unto the Lord? You know, I was looking out the window today, and, and I really do have to, to be careful. But as I think about things, so many thoughts and so many emotions uh, come through uh, my mind. And I remember the first time that we were here. This is only our second time here but the first time I brought Nathan and, and Megan, they were just little kids, and same with Joey and, and Amanda, and, and uh, they're, they're just great friends. I remember sitting over here, and then I remember uh, uh, Megan and, and her and Amanda were going down that hill. It was a snowy uh, day, and they were going down that hill sledding. I remember so many things, and, and uh, thoughts and emotions just flood my mind. And uh, as your pastor had made mention, I remember the night... Uh, when I sent my dad the message and I remember my dad calling me uh, that night or that early morning and he a godly man who loves the Lord just so similar to brother Vasek and just a just a good man solid steady and my dad said son I, I I'm so sorry son he said I I prayed so much I prayed so hard and uh, to hear my dad say that I know his heart was broken you know, I, I, I watch my wife as carefully as I possibly can. I, I want her encouraged. I want her help. But boy, what do you do? What do you do? You know, I, 
the flesh goes back and you say, God, I've tried to live my life as best I could. We tried to do things right. And, and, and the flesh leans a, a lot of times on, what did I do wrong? What, what, why this and why that? And, and we can question all the time. And maybe you're in that situation this morning. You, you're wondering, why, God? Why have you allowed this? I've loved you. I've served you. I've honored you. I've been faithful. And why do things happen? I'm not here to tell you why. I don't know why. But I will say this. You know, God understands. God understands your tears. You know, there are things that now start to click and I start to understand a lot more of why people do certain things that they do and why, why I need to be careful sometimes, even with my words. You know, in two days, it would be 23 months that our daughter's been with the Lord. And, uh, you know, little things trigger my mind. And, and yes, I have to take a time. Uh, to pray and to talk with the Lord and pour out my heart. When you're going through a hard time in your life, number one, cry a river. Cry a river. Number two, build a bridge. In Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 17, Nehemiah wept. He took the time to weep. But Nehemiah 2 and verse 17, look there quickly. The Bible says, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And then he says, come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more reproach. And I'll just stop there because of time. When you're going through a hard time in your life or when that day comes, when that time comes, number one, spend some time. I like what Nehemiah, I like his example. Number one, he took the time to weep. Number one, cry a river. Number two, build a bridge, build a bridge. You see, Nehemiah took the time to weep and to pray, but now he he rises up to the challenge of rebuilding the walls. I think that one of two things happen when we go through difficult times. We can either build a bridge towards God or we can build a bridge towards Satan and the things of this world. I find that when the trials come, there's a temptation to yield to the flesh. There's a temptation to find a way to mask the pain. I find that some, some thoughts here, we take on bad habits Smoking and drinking and immoral relations and drugs and pornography. And, and I've seen it so much in, in, in our school, this thing of cutting. And I've seen kids and just pull up their, their, their sleeves and show me mark after mark after mark. And, and you know, to, to many of us, we wonder why would somebody hurt themselves? And, and I found one boy and he had lines all the way up his arms. I said, why are you doing that? And it, little by little, it began to come out of having problems at home. And mom and dad are going through it and they're fighting. And man, I just, and, and, but yeah, but why would you hurt yourself? It's just another way to forget what's going on back there at the house. It's another way just to uh, uh, mask the pain that he's going through there. And, and, and there's other thoughts that I've heard other people share with me of why people cut themselves. But it's just another way to mask what's going on. I find that when we build a bridge towards the things of this world, we take on bad habits. We also begin to have self-pity. We begin to isolate ourselves from others and and we think that no one cares and uh, what we're facing. No one understands. We think that God doesn't care. We turn our back on God and the preacher and the church and we isolate ourselves to the point where, okay, 
I guess nobody understands me, so I'm going to shut myself in my room. I want to say that that is not the answer. This church right here is a safe haven. This church is a lighthouse in this area. And there are many other churches across the country where God's presence is. And there's a man of God there. And God's people, I want to say this. I thank the Lord for my friends. And I thank the Lord for the men and their wives and their families who rush to our side I want to thank the Lord for the people that just this morning, as I mentioned, who have said, I'm praying for you. I have prayed for you. I think of people all the time at church back home that will say, I'm still praying for you. I remember the day that uh, we had the memorial service. Dr. Evans, he said to us, he said, I'm praying for you and I will continue to pray for you. Why, what a blessing it is to have people praying for you. And don't leave this thing. Don't leave this thing of church. When we face a difficulty, build a bridge, not towards the things of this world, but build a bridge towards God. I want to say that the devil wants to dethrone God in your life. The devil would love to take God's uh, place and he'd like to be there and he'd like to uh, get you to doubt God. And that's why the Lord Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to, uh, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said this, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. What a wonderful thing it is to know that the Lord is there with us, even in our difficult time. That's why it's so important to protect your time with God each day. You know, there must be a commitment to him. My favorite song, I think, it's grown through the years to be my favorite. Oh, Jesus, Lord and Savior. I give myself to thee, for thou in thine atonement didst give thyself for me. There must be a consecration. I love the words where it says, I owe no other master. My heart shall be thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live. O Christ, for thee alone. What are you facing today? Cry a river. Cry a river. Take the time like David poured out his heart unto God. Number two, build a bridge. Build a bridge towards Satan in this world. Build a bridge towards God. Renew your commitment to him. Return back to the church house. Return back to prayer. Return back to preaching. Return back to praising him. Return back to his plan. The Bible is very clear that he is a very present help in time of need. I read about William Carey. William Carey was a well-established missionary in his pioneer work in India. And it was stated that his supporters in England had at one time sent a printer to assist him. Soon two men were now turning out portions of the Bible for distribution. Carey had spent many years learning the language so that he could produce the scriptures uh, in the local dialect. He'd also prepared dictionaries and grammars for the use of his successors. But one day while William Carey was out, a fire broke out. And uh, ruined and destroyed the buildings, the presses, and many of his Bibles. All the precious manuscripts and dictionaries and grammars that uh, he had worked so hard on were destroyed. When he returned and was told of the tragic loss, he showed no sign of despair or, or impatience. But rather, he picked himself up. He knelt again and thanked God that he still had the strength to do the work all over again. He started immediately, not wasting a moment in self-pity. And before his death, it was said that he had duplicated and even improved on his earlier achievements. What gave Nehemiah the strength to keep on going? 
What gave him the strength to rebuild the walls? What gave William Carey the strength to start all over again in his translation of the word of God to the people there in India? I look at verse number 18 of of, uh, Nehemiah 2. The Bible says they strengthened their hands for this good work. You know, they both saw something very unique or very interesting or whatever you want to say. They saw something, and that was this. They understand, understood that God's work was good. They understood that the Christian life is still worth the living. You know, there are days, obviously, when, when you get up and, and you have difficulties. And there are times when you wonder, uh, what are we doing here and why all of this takes place? I want to say this, that the Christian life is still worth the living. There's still people to be saved. There's still lives to be changed. I can't tell you how many people I've, I've been able to help and encourage and, and lift up and kids that are going through difficult times. I can't tell how many times somebody has said that was an encouragement to me and that was a help to me. God has placed you here at a unique time and a u- unique place. And God has brought some things into your life to help other people. And you can be a blessing if you'll stay in it and you'll stay faithful. You're going through a difficult time today. Cry a river, build a bridge, build a bridge towards God. You know, when we build a bridge towards God, we find that he is our strength. We find that he is our defense. We find that he is our truth. I read this morning uh, a statement on, on Twitter, and usually I don't copy things that are, that are there, but I saw this and it stood out to me. And one man wrote this, once everything falls into place, I'm sorry, let me rewind the tape here, ego Ego says, once everything falls into place, I'll find peace. But the Spirit of God says, find your peace in me and everything will fall into place. Cry a river. What are you facing today? Build a bridge. Build a bridge towards God. Folks, let me encourage you. Don't leave church. Because problems are tough. Don't run. This is a place that you ought to run to. Oh, no, it's tough. What's, what, what's going to be solved by staying at home? What's going to be solved by running away from your problems? Number three, cross over it. Cry a river. Build a bridge. And number three, cross over it. In Nehemiah 6.15, if you'll look very, there very quickly, I'll, uh, I'm going quick this morning. But in verse 15, Uh, The Bible says, so the wall was finished in the 20 and 5th day of the month, Elul, in the 50 and 2 days. And that's all I want to read there. In 50 and 2 days, or 52 days, the work was accomplished. But it took a man willing to work. took a man who had to cry, who took some time to pour his heart to God. But took a man to build. took a man to be willing to work and have faith and trust in God. Several years ago when Dr. Daryl Cox uh, was uh, in our church, he made a statement on a Wednesday night, and he said this, you can't always trace God, but you can always trust God. Well, that statement just has stayed with me through the years. Sometimes I can't, where are you at right now, God? What's going on? How many in this room would say there have been times in my life where I wondered, where was God? I can't see you. I can't feel you. Are you around right now? It seems dark. It's lonely. It's difficult. And I prayed and prayed. You can't always trace God, but you can always trust God. This 
message. I have preached it many times. Originally, it was entitled, Cry a River, Build a Bridge, and Get Over It. I don't like those words, get over it. You ever, you ever had somebody say, just get over it? Oh, okay. It's done then. I mean, it just doesn't happen that way. I sat across the table from a missionary, maybe you've heard of him, Pastor Luis Ramos in Mexico. He uh, was very close to us as far as in our difficulty, and he had lost his son about a year before. And he said, Brother Jesse, he said, you don't ever get over losing a child. But he said this, God will give you the grace to get through it. And each day, I can have his grace and strength to keep on going. But you do too. You have God's grace to help you keep on going. I like what Paul said in Acts 20 and verse 24. He says, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. So that I might, notice these words, finish my course with joy. How many of us have met somebody who's just... A trial has come in their life, and they're just sour from that moment till the day they go. Just sour. No, no, don't, don't talk to them. Just, just leave them alone. You know, we could be like that, or we can just choose to be a happy camper, as one preacher said, and just go on serving the Lord. I want to, when I finish my race, I want to finish it with joy. How am I going to do that? I know our time is short. But how am I going to do that? If you look at Philippians 4, 4, I need to go quick. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. How am I going to cross over it? How am I going to finish this course or this life with joy until I meet my Savior? How can I have an impact on others? How can I get through this? I heard what you said. Yeah, cry a river. I've done that. Build a bridge. Well, I'm building a bridge towards God. I'm here in church. I'm connected. But how am I going to cross over it? How am I going to be uh, like Paul? How am I going to finish my course with joy? Here's the first thought, and I'll I'll go as fast as I can. Here it is. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. The Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know, I can't rejoice in... in, um, in the economy sometimes. I can't rejoice in, in, in other things. I won't, I won't get political, but uh, I can't rejoice in a lot of things. There's a lot, of, as I look around, you know, kind of do that and the climate and, and where the wind is blowing at that time. I can't a lot of times rejoice in certain things, but I can rejoice in the Lord. Amen. I can rejoice in the fact that I got saved on February 25th, 1979. I can rejoice that there is a home in heaven awaiting me and where I'll see my daughter, we'll, we'll be together again. I can rejoice in the fact that my sins have been forgiven as your pastor has shared with me. I can rejoice in the faith and the promises of God. I can rejoice in the Lord. And that's what we need to do. How am I going to get cross over it? Here's the first thought, Philippians 4.4. 4. Let me encourage you to get a song. Get a song. Sing about who he is and sing about the fact that he is our creator. And I love that song. He is mine. It's in your hymn book. I love the fact that he's my savior. He's my savior. He's my king. He's my master. He's my guide when I don't know where to go. He's my guide and he's my savior and my master. Sing about who he is. Sing about what he's done. Sing about the fact that he's loved you. He's forgiven you. He died in your place. Sing about where you're going. One day I was convicted. We were almost to church, and 
I feel like it was a spirit of God and made me recall that I hadn't been singing like I should. And uh, you say, why are you getting emotional about that? Because it's the truth. You ever had moments in your life you thought, you know, I, I haven't been singing much. I haven't been thinking about God as much as I should have been. Number one, get a song. Second thought is in verse 5, Philippians 4, 5. The Bible says, let your moderation be known unto all men. Notice these words, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. And uh, I tell you what, how many have ever said, hey, I'm carrying this thing. Give me a hand. Help me out. Well, you know what? You don't have to go this road alone. He's right there. He's, he's right there. He's a very present help in time of need. But the scripture says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Hey, number one, get a song. Number two, we don't use this expression as much. But back when I was younger, you'd hear the expression, get a grip. Hey, take it easy. Or as one man I used to work with, take it easy. You know, and, uh, but the truth of the matter is, we had to take it easy. He's at hand. He's right there. Get a grip. Oh, pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and Mrs. Vastic, I don't know what I'm going to do. And man, everything's going wrong and everything's falling apart. Okay. The Lord is at hand. Man, I had to take several deep breaths when hit with bad news. And I don't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. And we're not trained. We're not set up for this. When trials come and tragedies come, you know, what do I do? You know, if you've been down a certain course, maybe you, you've learned certain things. You know, sometimes at school, weird things happen. And, and one secretary who's new, she said, well, you're so calm about it. I said, yeah, because it's happened before. But when things that you're not expecting happen, what do you do? We fall apart. It's easy. Don't be down on yourself because you've, you've had an episode or if you've fallen apart, it's, it's, you weren't prepared for it. But I will say this. Recall right now that the Lord is at hand. Let me quit with this thought in verse 6 and 7. How, how am I going to cross over it? Well, I just mentioned to you, get a song, get a grip, and here's the last thought. In verse 6 and 7, the Bible says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And here's what I love. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Get a song. Get a grip. And then last, again, another expression that I've heard before. Get a life. A life of prayer. A life of thanksgiving. Take everything to God in prayer. My friends have been so close to me and uh, been so dear to us. And you're our friends. And even though miles separate us, the prayers are so precious and they, they keep us going. And that's what works. I can't change anything. One day, I was, uh, it was in the summer and just weeks after our daughter had gone to heaven, I was on my way to work, had, had to go back, and not because I was forced to, but because I knew it was time. I needed to get back to it. And that's a thought maybe to consider. There, there, there has to come a time we have to get back to what we need to do. But as I was driving to work, I just everything was upon me. And, you know, sometimes when finances are tough and problems are tough, you can always look back and say, at least I got my family. 
And, uh, and that thought came into my mind. I don't have one. One is missing. And the frustration came out, just like you, and, and we're all the same. And I remember grabbing the steering wheel, just God, and, and just pouring out my heart to God. And, and it seemed like I was taking a turn down on 394. I just, nothing had changed. All my circumstances were the same. But I'm not going to lie to you. There have been other times, too. I've immediately felt God's presence saying, it's okay. I'm not lying to you. I'm not telling you some experience that I had where I was rolling around and knocked my head on the side of the pew and, and, and got filled with the Holy Ghost and things along those lines. But it was just one of those moments where I just felt I can't explain it except it's okay. I want to tell you something. It's going to be okay. Whatever trial you're facing today, your circumstances may not change. I think sometimes we've been led to think, you know, put your hand on that TV and give $50 to our ministry, and I'm being facetious now, but you know what I'm talking about, and you'll be anointed and pray for this oil, we'll send it to you, and all things will get better. And sometimes our circumstances do not change. But with Christ in my vessel, I can smile at the storm. This is where true Christianity will have to take place in your life, true faith. You'll have to experience it when you can just say, Lord, I'm looking over here. I'm looking over there, here and here. My circumstances haven't changed. I just need you. And that's when God says, I'm there. What do you do when you face a trial? Well, you cry a river. You build a bridge. And with God's help, you cross over it so you can finish with joy. Our heads are bowed around.